The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode 117. Today is December 2nd, Sunday afternoon, and we have another guest joining us this week. And we have so much MMA to talk about because we haven't done a show in two weeks, which was my fault. I was in New York visiting family. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And in the meantime, we've had MMA action in China in Australia, in Dallas, Texas, in Italy, for major promotions, in Las Vegas. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, it's really awesome to see this sport spread the way it has, uh, especially in the last couple of years. So here to talk with us about all this MMA action and some other wonderful things as well, uh, undefeated professional mixed martial arts fighter, the first female fighter to be fighting while diagnosed with autism, which we're really going to dive into with her about. I would like to welcome all the way from Las Vegas, Serena, the Southpaw Outlaw de Jesus. Serena, thanks for joining the show today. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And with that, uh, since you mentioned the other guy in the room, <laughs> the virtual room here, let me introduce my trusty co-host who actually set this interview up. All the way from frosty New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling this Sunday afternoon, my friend? Bill, I'm awesome. And, you know, it's funny how this interview came about because um, somebody had mentioned that they didn't like how um, how they, they didn't like Tito Ortiz. And then I made a joke that, well, you don't like him because he's a Latino lying about being a Hispanic. And then Serena asked me, where's the lie? And I said, I couldn't tell you, but the only thing I hate more than lying is skim milk, which is water that's lying about being milk, which for those of you who don't know, that is a line from Parks and Recreation. Uh, it's, <clears throat> it's by Ron Swanson. It was like one of my favorite characters. And that's how Serena and I clicked, man, is is we just like jokes. So, um, so Serena, you've got an awesome sense of humor. And also, I have one question for you, because part of... What we do here on MMA on the Rocks is we talk about what we drink while we watch UFC. So, Serena, I know you're coming off of shoulder surgery, so you're recovering a little bit. Are there any beers that are helping you recover a little bit? Um, I haven't had any since my recovery, but I pretty much drink any kind of alcohol. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've, I've, I've gone shot to shot with my promoter friend with Fireball. I've, got, I've had um, Voodoo Ranger. I've had you know, all sorts of different kinds of brews and types. Um, I have a friend who uh, runs my MMA news from your neck of the woods back on the East Coast, uh, Eric Cole. Um, We have a love for Golden Monkey because I used to live in Philadelphia. And when I came out of, uh, when I came out of work, I always stopped in Reading Terminal Market to get a, get a little cup before going to my next job, you know. So I drink everything and anything, but I'm kind of taking it easy because I want this thing to heal fast. Mm. Yeah, so for those of you who may not know, uh, Serena had sh uh, shoulder surgery on Monday. And, you know, it's nice to hear that you're recovering really well, Serena. 
Uh, obviously, because you're so conditioned to to put your body through the ringer, I'm sure you're probably going to recover faster than, you know, if me or Bill had that surgery. I'm hoping so, because yesterday I'm like, look, my no sling. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we were talking a little bit before the show about how when you're such a high-level athlete, the recovery time is typically a little quicker. So we're glad to see that you're doing well, getting some flexibility back in that shoulder. Um, do you have a timeline as far as when you plan to get back into the cage, or you're just kind of seeing how your body feels and listening to that? Well, I'm hoping by at least this upcoming spring I can be back in because they say it's three months for this to heal. So mm -hmm. just for this to heal alone, then I got to rebuild the muscle in it. Then I have to brush up on technique because I'm not going to go in there like not knowing what I'm doing because it's a disservice to me. That's a disservice to anybody who's, who's a fan of me. It's just I want to be in tip-top condition. And there are people who I have on a list I want to fight. And who also say they want to fight me. So I'm like, kind of bring that shit, you know? <laughs> so I want to be in my top condition when I bring that shit. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's good you're doing it the smart way, laying away from the booze. I don't think Jeff or myself would be as wise about it. Uh, we, we would probably be drowning our sorrows. Uh, <laughs> but, it's uh, difficult, but, you know, I've actually, since it's Las Vegas and it's legal here, I've been using, um, using weed to actually help with the pain because that's okay mm -hmm. um specifically there's like stuff i've been using like strains for pain because yeah. the narcotics they i don't vibe well with narcotics they make me nauseous i've thrown up on them you know for some people it affects their stomach especially with me so i just i kind of tossed it away and i've been using uh i've been using edibles and stuff to help with the shoulder pain whenever like i have any spasms happening it's been great you know, I'm not the type that goes out, hey, it's 420, let's praise it and blaze it, you know, it's just more I use it for my sleep or, you know, just for the pain. And it's been good so far. Yeah, absolutely. And little known fact that marijuana is actually an approved substance out of competition for USADA. So mm -hmm. uh, when, when guys get busted for it, uh, it's usually because they're smoking a lot of it, like really close to their fight, um, mm -hmm. which uh, you know, could be an advantage as far as the mental aspect uh, of the game. You know, there's a big debate there, but uh, for recovery and things like that, uh, definitely, you know, toke up uh, if it makes you feel better. It's so hilarious because given my best friend is in the UFC, uh, Roxanne Mataferi, I also get USADA emails to kind of help, you know, just in case I need to help her out with anything. Mm -hmm. And they send an email out that um, before – um, the last UFC card, which uh, Roxy was on, and it said it was a warning to everybody to stop smoking weed. It was like two weeks before the event. So you saw him sending emails telling everybody to kind of lay down the pre-rolls and whatnot to just kind of chill. And I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm thinking to myself, the day Roxy smokes weed is the day I'm running around in a pink dress out in public. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, speaking of USADA, uh, Serena, I was actually wondering, um, because you are a pro fighter, do you, um, you know, not in the UFC yet, but we hope to see you there soon. Um, do you have to like answer to USADA? Do you ever have to like, you know, uh, do they ever come by and just ask about, uh, supplements and stuff? How does that work for you? Um, because I'm outside the UFC, I'm technically outside of USADA jurisdiction as well. Unless the promotion I'm fighting for um, utilizes USADA, they don't really bug me. 
I mean, I, it's kind of, it's hilarious when they catch me in my pajamas, like bang on the door at like six in the morning for Roxy. And I mean, the nurses and the people who are in are cool, but it's just like, they don't bug me. And even if they did, I'm pretty boring. I mean, all I take are multivitamins. I don't take any weird shit and I smoke weed for my insomnia or when I'm in serious pain. So that's about it. They'll pretty much find nothing. They'll just hear me ramble on about anime and video games and shit. They'll probably get sick of me and just leave before they even do the testing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Serena, you brought up uh, your your friend and roommate, Roxanne Monteferian. We we saw her last fight, and uh, mm -hmm. it, it was an unfortunate set of circumstances because her opponent didn't make weight, which seems to be Again. uh yeah, it seems to be somewhat of an epidemic lately. Um, and I, I don't personally have a solution. I'm kind of getting tired of being annoyed by this. You know, Jeff and I both every week on the show, we're always, uh, you know, ranting about the, the guys and gals who are missing weight. Um, how, how much it, does that frustrate you and your camp? Because I know you're around, you, you know, when these things are revealed, if an opponent doesn't make weight or something like that, which is pretty much half the job. And I, I believe Dominic Cruz refers to it as sanctioned cheating, uh, which I, I love that term. Um, so how does that affect, you know, your teammates and your camp when something like that happens? It's really annoying because here's the thing. I feel like a lot of people outside of, you know, of MMA or who at least are not knowledgeable don't realize we are nowhere near our fighting weight. We're there for like a few seconds and then we go right back up. For example, the only reason I am fighting at 135 is because I'm in the same walking weight, which is important for everyone to know. The same walking weight as other women in my division. So the walking weight for 135ers are anywhere between 155 to 165. I'm kind of hovering in the middle at 162 right now. Mm -hmm. And we cut that weight. We diet, and then we kill ourselves by cutting out the water, and we look like a dehydrated SpongeBob SquarePants on that fucking scale. And it's bad. I've had some bad weight cuts, but even in my amateur career, Never fucking missed weight. Even when I looked horrible, with my eyes sunken in and everything, I made the weight, fought my ass off, I did what was right because that is the right thing to do. Even when there was no financial penalty or whatnot, as an amateur when I was doing that, it's the right thing to do and do it. And I'm sick of people cutting weight wrong to the point they're going to damage their organs. Like Sarge, the first time she missed weight, had kidney failure. Mm -hmm. What makes me upset about people doing that to themselves is they have families are they really going to kill themselves and leave their families behind to get a, a weight advantage over somebody because they're fighting people smaller than them? Get mm -hmm. the fuck out of here with that shit. Fight right. Fight your right size. Measure the competition. If you're short or whatnot, sucks to be you. I don't know. Do something about that. <laughs> but shit, get it right. <laughs> the only way it's gonna this whole situation is going to fix itself as if every single athletic commission will do what, what uh, one championship is doing with the urine tests. That is the only way it'll fix itself. Mm -hmm. Because, like, for example, no one wants to fight in California because of the crazy medicals and stuff they're doing for safety. They'll opt to fight in other state athletic commissions to avoid that nonsense. Mm -hmm. But if everybody adopted what California was doing, not that I kind of agree with it yet, then no one would have a choice. But it has to be a united effort by all athletic commissions. And they are still very fragmented. You look at all the way and procedures and stuff from state to state. Even people not adopting the, the new rules for MMA, for, for fuck's sakes. 
they're still weird from state to state. How are we going to make things right if no one's united on that issue? Yeah, the unified rules that aren't really unified um, <laughs> at all. I want to I want to ask one other question about the the missing weight piece because uh, a lot of mm -hmm. times the explanation we hear from female fighters who miss weight is a certain biological function that happens to women once a month. Now, as a man, I don't feel like I can criticize this explanation, but I would love to hear your take on it, Serena. I sure as fuck can. I'm gonna tell. I'm just gonna say right now. I hold on to 10 pounds of water when my mm -hmm. stuff happens every single time, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. I cut extra weight when I know I'm probably going to make, I'm going to have to weigh in around my period date just to, just to do it. You know, I'll, I'll cut it even when it's horrible and crying. Cause I feel, cause for me, it's the sensory issues with like jumping into a, sa uh, a sauna or any extreme temperature change. Fuck, you know, it fucks me up. Mm -hmm. I still do what is required. Roxy on three fucking weeks made weight. On her period, I'm just gonna put that out there for the world because she already did it on a tweet, and it's it's just like if she can fucking do that on a short notice thing, on her fucking period, I have no respect for any of those hoes talking about they're missing weight on their period. None. Nice. You fucked up. <laughs> nice. So, um, I, Serena, I can't relate to the period thing, but you know, it's it, okay. It's a you know I I feel like it's a disservice to not only to themselves but also to their opponent when they miss weight you know because you worked your ass off too to make the same weight on the same mm -hmm. day um, and speaking of I wanted to ask you what's it like because you've had this happen to you a couple of times in your career what's it like when somebody um, drops the fight on you they can't make it for whatever reason and you know you can't find an opponent and you spent all this time getting ready for that one day like what what goes through your head when that happens. Well, the first thing going through my mind is where's their fucking gym because I'm going to fight them in the goddamn parking lot. That's the first thing going through my mind. Second thing going through my mind is, yay, food and drinks. So it's a, it's a mix between those two. I'm a very simple woman. <laughs> All right. Sounds, sounds like I, I love how straight and to the point you are, Serena. So um, a lot of people who did find opponents this weekend are from the five major combat sports events that took place over the weekend from the ultimate fighter finale to uh, fight night 142 for the UFC Bellator 210 Bellator 211 and of course the big heavyweight boxing match last night oh uh, yeah <laughs> uh, so Serena I know uh, from following you on Twitter that you took in a lot of the fight action this weekend what was the best mm -hmm. fight uh, that you saw from the weekend or who do you think was the biggest winner uh, out of this whole weekend of MMA and boxing here the biggest, the biggest um, win I think was um, God, I can't pronounce his name because it was just so long. That Kai something, that Australian dude who really, who I know from all my Australian fans on Twitter have been like banging the war drums to get this kid into the UFC, and he finally got in there. And he put on quite a damn show. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, heads, uh, hats off to his opponent, who I love Anthony Pettis, but he really can't coach his boy. But you know. That guy, his opponent, um, Garcia, stood in there, but Kai was just taking it away, just bashing this kid to death. Even my, my dad, who's, who's been an RN since I've been alive, is like, oh, my God, this kid's going to take so much brain damage. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, part of the sport, Dad, you know this. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was huge. And, of course, I think um, Junior Dos Santos kind of proven, he can, even though he's old, he can still hang with the, with the youngins. Mm -hmm. It was also pretty good. 
Yeah, pulling that big upset over Tai Tuivasa. So Kai Kara yeah. France uh, is the fighter you were referring to. He was yes. uh, Elias Garcia, and it was it was hard to watch towards the end because the unanswered blows taken by Garcia. It looked like the national debt counter. <laughs> if, you, mm -hmm. if you put a if you had to put a number to it, I don't know how many unanswered blows this guy took, but uh, you know credit to him for hanging in there and still uh, you know diving for submissions and stuff. Um, Jeff, I'll refer to you. What was your uh, biggest takeaway from the weekend of combat sports action here oh man bill for me i gotta give it to this light heavyweight jimmy crute man um oh he, yeah <laughs> yeah he was looking awesome in there another australian i believe um you know the grappling exchanges he had with paul craig who was a very very tough guy i just thought he looked great in there he looked good on the feet um his grappling was top notch um and from the half guard, Bill, he was able to crank this really tight Kimura. I thought that if Craig didn't tap, he was going to lose his shoulder. Um, you know, I thought his shoulder was going to get separated from his body at some point. So, you know, sh huge shout out to Jimmy Crude. He's looking like a really, really good contender in this light heavyweight division. Uh, I can't wait to see what's next for him and where his career goes from here. It was an awesome performance. And uh, Serena, I know you can relate to that feeling of the Kimura. It looked like Paul Craig was just so exhausted. He couldn't fight it off anymore. And uh, Jimmy I was like Crew having a Vietnam flashback with that shit. I'm like, ah, fuck. No, tap, tap, quick. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, shout out to my man's Jimmy Crew, uh, Crew for having the Avatar, the last airbender and earthbending tat, uh symbol on his one peck. And the Umbrella Corporation and a Raven on his other. I'm now a fan. I have to follow this man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He put on a great performance. And um, I, we might as well talk about this, too. Paul Craig uh, has a shaded puzzle piece tattooed on his rib cage, which, of course, mm -hmm. is a symbol of autism awareness. Uh, I was planning to bring it up a little bit later, but, you know, why don't why don't we get into this? So. Of course, April 2nd is Autism Awareness Day, but I don't think there's ever a bad time to bring it up because it's one of those things that everybody kind of knows about. I think a lot of people are very aware of autism, but I think very few people actually understand it. And I know Paul Craig, former school teacher back in Scotland. I myself am a former school teacher. Uh, Jeff here is a current school teacher. So I think we have a pretty solid understanding of what autism is. I've, I've trained with people who have autism, so I know how it can affect uh, fighters. But uh, I would really love to get your take on this, Serena, as far as, you know, how, how does it, uh, you know, hinder your ability to do what you do, if at all, or, or how does it help you? Um, I have sensory issues. I got light noise sensitivity. So a lot of times when you probably see me in photos, I have hat on. And if I'm outside, my glasses, because I'm blind as shit, um, go dark. Um, and I'm always, I'm always wearing headphones or something. So um, it used to be a lot worse until I had CBD oil. So CBD oil has been a boon. It's been helping me. And you start illegal. So if I ever have to worry about... And, and it's legal with promotions, too. I just kind of disclose, like, look, yeah. autism. I'll even bring out my – I even have my psyche valve laminated. So I can just bring out, like, look, I got my – I got my. here's my psyche valve. It proves it. Y'all can have some CBD oil with me if you want. It'll chill y'all the fuck out, mm -hmm. um, maybe. But, yeah, I'm just like, look, I need it for my, you know, light noise sensitivities and not trying to do any weird shit, you know. And I show the lab report of the CBD I have that shows it has no THC in it either, so – Normally I get like a free pass and like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, but I'll, I play by the rules. If they say no, I'll be like, all right, I'll just double up on the dose before I go in. 
Uh-huh. But, you know, real, I just run it by and, and just get a yes or no from the promotion. But um, it really helps with my light and noise sensitivity because before I would just kind of like, you know, kind of stem backstage, kind of like flap around and just kind of rock, mm-hmm. kind of get myself in, into it. And I think everything changed. I got tagged in 10 seconds by in one of Miami fights. I wasn't prepared for 17,000 people. Mm. I was prepared, like maybe a small, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for how loud 17,000 people was going to get. And after that, I adjusted, I got CBD oil, I learned how to use it. And it really helps me with dealing with crowds, dealing with social anxiety and all that. And um, it's been great. I mean, it's not a hindrance anymore, you know, and honestly, I think autism has been great for me. I had two other siblings who are on the autism spectrum. They both train. One of them is a freshman in high school and they're huge, six foot, it's 190 pounds. He's wrestling at a 180. And uh, he's like, I want to be like you when I grow up. And he picks me up. So all the times I'd pick him up, change his diapers, whatnot. Now he's picking me up. And I look like a disgruntled toddler in his arms. <laughs> and um, he's he's doing well with wrestling and jujitsu and whatnot. It's, it's a set schedule, same people we're going to go, and the same kind of movement we're doing over and over drilling. It's mm-hmm. a boon to, to people with autism, I think. And yeah, I love it. <laughs> so the, the biggest hindrance, obviously, is the, the sensitivity to the lights and the noise and everything like that. But you took that as a problem. You used your problem-solving skills and a little bit of help from mm-hmm. some very natural uh, substances. And mm-hmm. you figured it out. And you overcame it. Mm-hmm. What What is it about autism that has actually helped you as a martial artist and, and really, um, you know, improves your game, so to speak? Well, I think first off, the autism keeps me humble because I know, because I've been treated like trash before, so I don't treat other people like trash. And I love to learn new things. It's always been kind of a thing of mine. I, you can ask Roxy, I'm like a walking random fact book, but I retain information, I think, a lot easier so I'll remember things a bit more, do it. And I think th- I think I focus and think things through a bit more. So you'll notice in my fights, I'm very big on counter-striking. That's probably my favorite thing to do. For me, it's fast-paced chess. I'm just, I'm figuring somebody out. Mm-hmm. I'm figuring what, what to do to counter what they're doing and make them look stupid at the same time. You know, and, you know, not, you know, kind of have an exciting fight here and again kind of tired of getting decisions though i'm hoping to finish somebody whenever i get back in next mm-hmm. i haven't had a finish since my first amateur mma fight and i choked out a jujitsu instructor so wow <laughs> well here's the hoping but yeah i think it helps me focus in like zero in on my objective a bit more because mm-hmm. this is something i love it's something i do so Awesome. I, I think it's so inspiring how you take something that would possibly hold a lot of people back and you're using it to uh, advance yourself and do something that you're passionate about. Um, from my experience with autism, uh, specifically Asperger's, uh, which is a specific type of autism, um, people who typically have it tend to obsess over tasks and like to do things over and over again, which for anyone who's ever trained martial arts is 
hugely important, especially for jujitsu. You know, they say drillers make killers. Uh, the most dangerous people to roll with are the people who obsess over those tiny details and who are able to perfect them. You know, we've all trained with the person who does the arm bar twice and, and they're like, oh, I got it. And then they go and like, Hey, I can't hit this arm bar while I'm rolling. I can't figure it out. Um, do you find like that's something that has helped you as a martial artist? Is that something that you've even experienced? Yes, absolutely. And I also love to watch, um, how, how the body moves while, while during uh, training, like even outside of jujitsu, like you'll see me doing the whole like uh, squinting and looking at somebody's just how the feet are making these slight little turns for mm -hmm. hip rotation for, you know, m you know, countering and moving out the way of something or whatnot. So I'm not focused entirely on the punch or the kick or the takedown itself. I'm focused on, how the feet, how the hips are moving, how the arm, how the torso is moving to set this all up. I mean, sometimes it, I have to see a move like probably a lot more times than my peers because I'm just so into how the body is moving mm -hmm. to make this possible. But that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually have experienced this because I had a Muay Thai instructor who uh, has autism and he was so detail oriented. I had been doing Muay Thai for six years and throwing my kicks the exact same way. And he, he was able to look at the way I was moving and tell me just to rotate my back shoulder ever so slightly. And I, I can't tell you the difference it made. Uh, and it, it blew my mind how he was able to pick up on that, just watching me and then be able to correct it. Um, do you, do you find like, uh, you're, constantly assessing other people are you able do you have that eye for teaching as well uh and does that come in handy in the gym very much so um i teach um alongside roxy for uh kids jujitsu mm -hmm. and because i've worked with kids before i'm the oldest of four kids three out of four of us have autism um i'm able to kind of break it down to a level that people can understand even little kids so and i also am the lead for teaching the little kids in muay thai so I'm talking about, like, for example, when we're pivoting on our foot, I tell the kids, it's like the foot points at this time, like my foot is now like one of the hands on a clock. Mm -hmm. um, and then I tell them to hit with the shin bone because I tell them it's like they're chopping down a tree. So I tell them we're not kicking with our foot, we're kicking with our shin bone because our shin bone's the axe blade and it clicks with them. And their kicks get way better and they look at me like, <gasps> like they're so excited that they're finally, you know, they have more power to it and they heard that pop that they want on the bag versus just that little meh thing they hit when they hit it with their foot. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the punches and the hooks. Like it's really gratifying to see that how, and even with the adults, how it pays off. Yeah. So Serena, um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, you know, I think it's awesome how you have so much attention to detail. And that's one of the things I love about jujitsu too, is like you were saying how the body works. So like, I like uh, moves like Kimura's because it's like your shoulder can only go a certain way. And when it doesn't go that way, um, when it starts going the other way, that's where like the pain comes from. Or like an arm bar, how your elbow mm -hmm. bends this way. But if you start bending it the other way, you're going to, you know, it's, it's it's not supposed to do that. So I, I love that. And Serena, just um, I had a question about just um, talk us through like what a typical day is like, you know, obviously when you're not recovering from uh, surgery and like when you're getting ready for a fight, what's your day like? Um, I wake up, I go train in the morning. I'll train from 
depends if I do jujitsu in the morning or night. If I do jujitsu in the morning, I'll go. I'll be training from 10 a.m. Then jump into the uh, MMA uh, team practice at 11:30, and I'll be pretty much finished at 1:20. And then I'll go home with Roxy, shower, recover, um, and then come back, teach the kids, maybe do an extra class or two, and then go home and shower, and then do my online job, and then just go to sleep and do it again. <laughs> Yeah, um, routine is important, especially for um, martial Very. arts. Um, it really helps you to stay disciplined and things like that. And uh, I always admire that level of, of discipline from pro fighters. And not all of them have it. And that's why not mm -hmm. all of them are successful. And that's why not all of them make weight. Um, I want to change yeah. gears. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to open old wounds again here, but, um, uh, I want to jump back into the fights for a little bit. Serena, I don't know if you caught all of the ultimate fighter finale from Friday night, but there's one fight in particular I wanted to talk about because, uh, there was a very concerning incident with a, a certain referee that, that is very experienced in Eve Levine. Uh, and I'm talking about the Joseph Benavidez oh, yeah. and Alex Perez fight. Um, so what happened in this fight for, it was on the undercard, I believe with the ultimate fighter finale, for those of you who didn't see it, Joseph Benavidez basically TKO'd Alex Perez. He was on top of him. Eve Levine touched both of them. So Joseph Benavidez stopped hitting him. He let go. And then Eve Levine walked away. And then Alex Perez, since he wasn't told to stop, grabbed Joseph Benavidez's leg and Joseph actually was able to still finish Alex Perez again with a TKO towards the yeah. end of the first round. Uh, Serena, did you catch this fight? And and even if you didn't, I have a follow-up question for you. I caught that fight, and I saw that. I'm like, okay. It's about, and then I look. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? You don't touch the fighters until it's done. Like, I'm weird with touch with people. So with me, I ask people, like I ask the referees, like before the fight, don't touch me. Y'all can talk to me, tell me, you know, whatever you need to tell me, just don't put your hands on me. And, um, yeah, that just when you touch a fighter in the midst of action, you're confusing them, you're confusing everybody around them, and you're putting their life in jeopardy basically that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, because it's a fight. I mean, people can die fighting. People forget that. But you have to do your job well. Being a ref, that's serious shit. When you're touching somebody – that means it's over. It should mean it's not walk away. You touch them, wave it off. You don't touch them unless maybe there's something illegal going on, but which there wasn't. So I'm very ashamed in, in that in, in that context of how that went by. Yeah, it's it's really unsettling to see, especially from an experienced referee such as Eve Levine. Uh, so is this something that's ever on your mind while you're fighting? Do you really worry about that referee in there, or uh, you know, if if they're gonna do like if you're in a tough spot or something, you worried about them stopping it, or is that just not even a thought that crosses your mind in the moment? It doesn't really cross my mind in the moment. I'll be worried if I see who I have as a referee. My second. Amy fight, I had Steve Mazzagatti as a referee. Oh, Jesus. And I, was, I was sweating bullets. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I, I proved to be right because I accidentally got an elbow to the eye and I got a cornea abrasion. So, like, last few seconds of the fight, I'm, like, kind of doing this. Mm. So I'm already blind as shit. I'm nearsighted. Now I just lost one of my eyes for, for the moment. Mm -hmm. So and, it, it was kind of, and he didn't see or say anything. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I'm about ready to shout mid fight. This is why you don't rep for the UFC anymore. Oh but boy. I'm not, 
Yeah, yeah, I had to like kind of ma- maintain myself, my composure, because I'm try- I'm dealing with a heavy headed Samoan at the time. So. Oh boy, yeah, and of course, elbows to the head, uh, illegal in amateur MMA, correct? Yeah, I mean, it was an accident, so I don't really hold too much against my opponent. I'm holding everything against Steve Mazzagatti, though. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a lot of people hold a lot of things against Steve Mazzagatti. Um, yeah, you know, I'm those who are. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't think we've we've seen him around uh, for a while now. Uh, I think he probably doesn't want to show his face. Um, it, the other thing I want to bring up is uh, the main event of the Ultimate Fighter finale, which was just a dominant performance against such a tough veteran and former champion and Rafael dos Anjos and Kamaro Usman just put on a, a wrestling clinic and I, I I can't understand how this man had so much energy to continue grappling at the pace he did for 25 minutes. And I think a lot of people don't really appreciate that. And that's probably because they've never grappled in their lives uh, to understand what it takes to have this kind of physical ability to put that kind of pace uh, against another high-level athlete for this long is really unfathomable. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Serena? And then I'll defer to Jeff. I was really amazed with Usman's wrestling, but I have a deeper appreciation for wrestling seeing my brother do it. I thought mm-hmm. my wrestling practices at Syndicate MMA and everything were grueling. But then I go to a high school, to, to just my brother's high school wrestling, and I see all the shit they do, and it is insane. So if Usman is a tried-and-true wrestler, you know what? This shouldn't really surprise anybody. Anybody who is a high-level wrestler would also be like, I'm not surprised. This is what we do. Um, But, yeah, to wrestle that long and just pretty much body a former champion Mm -hmm. just with this wrestling. I mean, this is why I wrestle. I wrestle so I don't have to fucking wrestle. (laughs) So, oh, Jesus. It was just – it was insane to watch. I'm like – I'm feeling bad. It's like watching a cat – Paul with a mouse right before the mouse gets eaten. That's all I can really think that fight was. Yeah, it was so impressive. I'm always blown away by by displays of wrestling like that because a lot of people don't realize that wrestling is a sprint. Uh, it's not really an endurance mm-hmm. sport. So when you're able to sprint like that for 25 minutes, uh, it's really an amazing task. Jeff, what were your thoughts on this main event Friday night? Dude, I was blown away by Usman's wrestling. Um, I didn't really like his striking, but at one point, Bill, Dos Anjos was so tired from carrying Usman around for five rounds that his striking didn't matter. Um, <clears throat> dude, credit to Usman. You know, his wrestling, it's just so – he was so in Dos Anjos' face, and we've seen him struggle with guys like that. Um, he struggled with um, Eddie Alvarez like this. He struggled with Colby Covington when he was wrestling. Mm-hmm. and. Dude, it was just a bad style matchup for Dos Anjos. Credit to him for st- for sticking in there and toughing it out. But, dude, Usman just had way too much in the locker for him. His cardio was crazy. I mean, you know, if you've ever wrestled, it it's exhausting, man. Um, like, I rest, I started wrestling a little bit after I started training jiu-jitsu, and it's a completely different level of grappling. Like, there's no – because in jiu-jitsu, you have positions where you can kind of rest for a little bit. Like, if you mount someone and you kind of have them pinned down, you can take a breath or two. But when it's when you're wrestling, you, there there's no point in time where you can stop and take a breath. So, 
dude credit to usman's wrestling and even more credit to his cardio dude he could have ran a new york marathon twice with that cardio yeah for sure uh, very impressive so that was the top of the ultimate fighter finale and obviously we had two new ultimate fighter winners crowned um mm -hmm. so serena i would love to get your take did you catch this season i know you probably have an intimate understanding of the ultimate fighter show being that you live with someone who was on the show um so is this something that's on in your household and what did you think of this season if so i like the season um i caught some episodes of it i was very um involved because um i was really cheering on leah letson and i was cheering on um pani kianzad because i i know pani personally mm -hmm. she's stayed with us a few times when she was in town and she's an overall really nice person and um leah letson she's always she's been cool i mean we follow each other on twitter she's always been a very ni nice humble person she's put on some and obviously as everyone saw she's put on some fucking wars mm -hmm. um she's just no quitting that girl and Pani, I mean, she fought her ass off too against a really tall, really tall person. I hate like tall people. It's not fair. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, but she did. She put all she had out there. She didn't give up. Um, she fought as hard as she could until just you know, she couldn't. You know, and at least she's in. The, I mean, it sucks she didn't win, but at least she's in the UFC. And I really think the season's well done. And, Unlike everybody else, I really do like watching tough. I like mm -hmm. seeing, learning more about the fighters and stuff behind, you know, behind them outside the cage. I mean, yeah, fights are wonderful. Fights are the, are the shit. But I also like to see the human element behind it, which is why I love watching tough. Yeah. And I think that's what really helps a lot of people get involved, too. I mean, the first season of tough uh, let people uh, behind the doors and, and see that these are actual human beings that are in here. I think there are a lot of stereotypes about fighters, and obviously a lot of them aren't true. You know, one of them being that these guys and girls are just Neanderthals. But if you look a little deeper, you'll see that 80 percent of the UFC roster has a college degree. Um, so, you know, we have to just continue doing our part, uh, us as part of the media and you, of course, as a fighter, uh, to continue breaking down these walls, breaking down these stereotypes. And we do that by letting people in, which, uh, I'm really glad you gave us an opportunity to do today. So, um, Jeff, did you, uh, catch the finale? I know you enjoyed this, uh, season of the ultimate fighter. What were your thoughts on the performances of the winners? I thought they looked great in there, man. Um, I was surprised, uh, that Justin Frazier made it into the final. Not that he's a bad fighter, but it just seemed like there were times where the training maybe was a little too much for him. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, but you know, his wrestling's phenomenal. Uh, I thought Juan Espino looked phenomenal, in, phenomenal in there. Uh, was able to get that. Um, was able to basically get Frazier in a crucifix. And once you separate those arms, man, uh, you know the arm locks get a lot easier because uh, uh -huh. it's two on one. It's it's hard to fight it off. Um, I was kind of hoping for a younger heavyweight to, to win because, Bill, we've talked about how this heavyweight division, it's like the same three or four guys, but Juan Espino is about 38, I think. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see his career a little bit. As for Macy, uh, I believe it's pronounced Chiasin or Chiasin. Um, that was a phenomenal fight. I really liked the women's final mm -hmm. because um, Pani Kamzad, you know, her arm bar was so tight. I really thought she had it. And then when I saw Kiasin get out of it, I was like, fuck. Um, you know, <laughs> 
like that that's one of those things that like it just like um like when what's his name when uh tyson fury sat up from getting knocked down by deontay wilder it was like that type of moment but with submission grappling um so dude this week that uh the tough finale was super super exciting i really enjoyed both of the final fights uh a couple of other fights i enjoyed on here pedro munoz versus brian caraway it was a really exciting fight mm -hmm. um but yeah but just top to bottom i think that this tough finale was a little bit more uh captivating than some of the other finales we've had in the past i don't know if it's because of uh usman and dos anjos but i just felt like a lot of these fights were really really exciting yeah, and uh, if I had to give the people listening a fight to go back and watch that you didn't catch, I would recommend Kevin Aguilar and Rick Glenn. Uh, really yeah. spectacular performance uh, and debut by Kevin Aguilar. So, um, yeah, the, the finale was great. I think there was a definite skill discrepancy uh, amongst the heavyweights, um, but I felt that the female featherweights were very competitive. And the good news for Pani Kianzad, even though she came up short in the finale, is that she's walking into a division uh, that doesn't have a whole lot of people in it. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, Serena, we know that the Ultimate Fighter isn't going anywhere. I think for a long time we thought this would be the last season. Uh, and as I mentioned, you have an intimate knowledge of how this show goes because you live with somebody who's been on it. Is this an experience that you would be interested in down the line should it come up? Probably. I'll have to find ways to adapt because um, mm -hmm. people don't know this, but in the Ultimate Fighter... No books, no music, no, obviously no phones, mm -hmm. no internet. You are completely cut off and isolated. Mm -hmm. And I could probably make it. I mean, I'll bring cards and shit. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you're allowed to get stuff in the outside world. Like if you pretty much what, how Roxy was putting it, you write it down on a little list. And the, the people, the TV people, go out and get whatever you need. Yeah. And I'm thankful that my... Um, my CBD sponsor, my friend Kenny, who runs a place up here in in uh, Las Vegas called the Healing Panda. If I ever need more CBD oil for my sanity, I'm just like, here's the place. Go get my shit. And yeah, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, for sure. Little plug for the sponsor there too. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, hey, if that's the quickest path to get where you want to be, obviously the goal is to end up. In the UFC, I don't want to make assumptions as far as what your goals are, but uh, yeah, UFC, to me, end up with the belt. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Um, so uh, I'm glad to see that you're you're willing to make adjustments to to make that happen for yourself. It's really awesome to hear. Um, so we have a lot of other young up and comers like yourself who are fighting this weekend, and they didn't do so well against the old school MMA fighters uh, in Australia. So the Australians coming up short against you know, guys who yeah. just have been doing a little bit longer and who were underdogs and people were probably counting out a little bit. You mentioned Junior Dos Santos getting that nasty TKO victory over Tai Tuivasa. Uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua getting it done. I thought one of the most impressive right? performances oh of the weekend. Uh, so I, obviously I want to get your take on this fight now, Serena. What were your thoughts on Shogun and his, I, I would say, comeback win over Tyson Pedro. I mean, he took some punishment in that fight and hung in there. I didn't expect that. I did not expect that, but goddamn, that old man strength though. That is some shit you don't mess with. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm thinking, oh my God. He's not going, oh my God, what the fuck did I just watch? It was almost yeah. like a switch flipped off and mm -hmm. just shit just changed. I'm like, wow. 
Yeah. Um, it may surprise you to know that Shogun's only 37. Uh, he's been doing this. <laughs> it seems like he's been doing this forever. Um, yeah, right? Since that was a little girl, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember being really young watching him, but you got to remember he started fighting when he was like 19 over in Pride. Uh, so yeah. he was like a really young superstar over there. And, you know, he's won four out of his last five, and people – we're still kind of writing him off here. Uh, you know, obviously he had the big loss to Anthony Smith, but um, everybody's losing to Anthony Smith lately uh, since he moved yeah. up. Um, so it, it's really kind of awesome to see guys like this, you know, still able to do it. I love the look on Shogun's face when he came out for the third round where he just wasn't phased at all. You could just tell, you know, I've been here before and Tyson <laughs> Pedro, I think, didn't know how to deal with that. Uh, and that seemed to be uh, his downfall there. Obviously, his knee buckled a little bit, and uh, there may have been an injury there, but, um, you know, can't take anything away from Shogun. I mean, he put he beat yeah. the brakes off of that man. Um, Jeff, well, your thoughts on, uh, you know, the old-school underdogs uh, on his, uh, the main part of this card here? Dude, I, I was shocked, man. I, I thought Tyson Pedro was doing pretty well. He was using his jab pretty effectively. Um, his clinch game was looking really, really solid. It looked like Hua was having a hard time with that um, when Tyson Pedro left him without space to really get his uh, strikes going. But, dude, uh, that overhand right that hit in that third round changed the game, man. It was awesome. And it was nice to see Hua looking like the Hua from Pride, man. The guy was on top and just winging shots and making you regret stepping in there with him. So, dude, this whole card was really, really fun. I would have liked some of the Australian fighters to get a couple more wins for the home team because uh, I've always had a fascination with uh, Polynesian culture. Um, tai Tuivasa even walked out to what's called a haka. So if you guys don't know what that is, it's like a war dance kind of where um, teams, usually they'll do this before rugby matches. They'll come out and they'll like slap their bodies to get a beat going. So they'll just use their own muscles to do that. And it, dude, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. So I can't imagine what like the opposing team feels like. So I love that Tai Tuivasa like stuck to his roots with that, but dude, take nothing away from Mauricio Shogun who he looked awesome in there. Like I said, looked like the Shogun of old. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's it's awesome, like I said, to see these old school guys doing well. Uh, here's what's funny about MMA fans and. Serena, I, I'm sure you're well aware of how fickle MMA fans can be. Uh, Jeff, you and I are both well-versed in, in this fact. So after Shogun wins, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying pride never die and things like this. But uh, a week or two ago when it was announced that Israel Adesanya was going to be fighting Anderson Silva, a lot of MMA fans were very upset and saying, why would you feed Anderson Silva to Israel Adesanya? Um, I mm -hmm. personally think... It, this is a great matchup. I mean, Anderson Silva, uh, you know, he's had some, he's had a layoff and, you know, he hasn't looked his best since breaking his leg, but still one of the best of all time. And I don't think you can look past him or think that he's just going to get demolished by this young lion as good as he is in Israel Adesanya. So it's always kind of interesting to me that dichotomy of the MMA fan base uh, where, you know, if there's an unexpected result, all of a sudden they're on the bandwagon for that result. And, uh, you know, if they want to be mad at something, they'll be mad at something. So, Serena, let me ask you, what was your thought when you heard about uh, Adesanya uh, and how he's going to be fighting Anderson Silva? I thought that's going to be a good matchup. I mean, everybody's yelling, oh, man. 
you know, Chuck and Tito shouldn't have fought, and then they use that as justification why Adesanya and Silva shouldn't be fighting. But I'm like, dude, Silva's not Chuck uh, Chuck Liddell. Mm-hmm. He does not move like Chuck Liddell. There's mm-hmm. a difference between someone who was off for eight years and Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. And he's still in it to win it. He's still training. He's training at a good place. So why the fuck not? It's a great stylistic ma- matchup. We got crazy shit and crazy shit on or out in a cage. What's not to love? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think this is an awesome matchup. And I, you know, I, I love that old school versus new school. I love the call out from Israel Adesanya. I think this fight makes a lot more sense than people will give it credit for. And I like that you brought up the Chuck Liddell thing because obviously Chuck had a long layoff. He's much older than Anderson Silva and he had a lot of knockout losses. Anderson Silva has only been knocked out one time. Uh, you know, of course mm-hmm. we're not taking into account if he's taken, you know, a lot of head trauma and sparring or, or, you know, during his fights, but I, I think it's comparing apples and oranges. Um, Jeff, what, what did you think when this matchup was announced between Israel Adesanya and Anderson Silva? Dude, I love it, man. Their styles are so similar. Adesanya has a, has said publicly that he, he a lot of his influence has come from Anderson Silva. And, dude, why not? I mean, Anderson still, Silva's an, a legendary fighter. I don't think his stock goes down at all, even if he does lose, not saying that he will. Um, and I think this is going to be a really good test for Israel Adesanya. Um, you know, you get to fight your hero. You, this is like... This is like a kid's dream, dude. Like, um, you know, like in, uh, in the UFC games, I always make up a character when I play them. So this is like, this is you fighting Anderson Silva in a video game, but now it's real life. I say, let them get it on. I love it. Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I'm going to take a step back to something else you said, uh, Serena. And uh, that was about, uh, you know, bringing up the Chuck Liddell fight. Now, my first... Uh, live UFC event was when Chuck Liddell was knocked out by uh, Shogun Hua. And this was in Montreal. I believe it was UFC 97. I, I drove up oh, to Montreal. Shit. We're going from, way back. Way back. <laughs> um, and I was a huge Chuck Liddell fan. You know, I'm, I've been a, an MMA fan for a long, long time. Uh, so I drove to Montreal from New York to, to watch Chuck Liddell get knocked out by Shogun. And as much as I was a fan, I really respected, you know, Shogun's ability to do that. And of course, you know, that was, you know, towards the down, downward spiral of Chuck Liddell. But I, I still have so many awesome memories of Chuck Liddell and, you know, what made me a fan of his to begin with. His his just brawling style. I mean, he fought a guy in Brazil for one 30-minute round inside basically a fishing net. Uh, this is one of the baddest motherfuckers of all time. And it was so – it broke my heart to watch uh, watch him get back in there uh, against Tito Ortiz, a guy who in his prime he wiped the floor with twice. Um, so, Serena, I, I'm sure you have an opinion on this. Um, you know, how, how did this fight affect you from last weekend? I didn't like it. I really didn't like watching it. I mean, when I was just seeing how Chuck was on the pads, I'm like – Put the, put the fight in the trash right now. Just like, nope, throw it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just like, it was not the same Chuck we grew up with. Mm. It really wasn't. And then Tito, he still looks like a monster. I, like, and he did well in his last fights, a majority of them. Yeah. I mean, and he's still scary. I remember shaking his hand once when I was at one of the California Invictus. My whole hand fit in his paw. 
It was a scary fucking sight. And I'm like, oh my God. But yeah, just it shouldn't have happened. I think and the pave was not exactly what was promised in, in terms of it being better than the UFC because mm. Oscar De La Hoya is like, I'm so disgusted on how you MMA fighters are paid. I'm gonna fix that. Yeah. So the pay was basically the same shit. It wasn't anything fantastic. And the yeah. the, the gate was like what seven thousand for people who are in yeah. seven thousand ish, and mm-hmm. pay per views are like under thirty k. I'm like, what were you trying to do? <laughs> yeah, and I think what's even more disheartening is the way the undercard fighters were paid, which, uh, from what I hear, was was pretty abysmal. Not great. Yeah, yeah. my my uh, coach was on that. Uh, Tom Lawler. I mean, sat, mm-hmm. it sucks to see how his fight went, but yeah, he was on there, and yeah, he was talking. Like you know, a little bit about the pay. I mean, he wasn't. I guess he was grateful. I mean, he was, but he told me what it was. He told everybody yeah. it was. It was just like, oh God, Tom. For sure. But I mean, man. Tom Lawler, my card. Tom Lawler, a guy though that's not going to shy away from a fight. Uh, we know that much about him. That's one tough and dude. Never shies away from his very fun uh, weigh-in ideas. <laughs> Yeah. I love him for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, he gets creative with it. I mean, is is this stuff like he runs by people in the gym? Like, is he ever talking about these ideas or you just never know what you're going to see from him? We never know until like literally last minute. And it was just funny. I didn't know who's got to pull up that bodysuit in the Austrian and the, and the <laughs> bo- written on the bottle. I didn't know. And I'm just like, this is great. And yeah. what's funny is he does this. Like there's times um, we have Halloween spark at the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two years ago, he dressed up as Roxanne. He got like a wig with pigtails in, put on glasses, like knee high socks. Like it was amazing. I'm like, bless you. You are, a, this is why Tom is a fucking legend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's good to keep things light in a gym like that. Um, you know, I, I've been around a lot of MMA gyms and like sometimes they're a little too serious. And, you know, a little too much about the grind and you got to lighten it up a little bit. And then on the other hand, you know, we talked earlier about the fighters who aren't disciplined enough. Um, So you you really have to have a good balance. I mean, obviously you're at one of the most legitimized gyms out there in syndicate uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, So can you talk a little bit more about the vibe of your gym there? I really love syndicate. I mean, I'm originally from Philadelphia. I trained in Philadelphia, but, Mm -hmm. um, Philadelphia MMA, as much as I love my city, it doesn't have a shit together. It has great Muay Thai, has great jiu-jitsu, has great boxing, but we seem to be unable to wrap it together. And our sport and our state athletic athletic commissioner in Pennsylvania does not seem to help with how he acts toward MMA, in my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong, but my dealings with him and seeing how he acts, it's been not so pleasant. But, um, yeah, I mean, I went to other gyms all across. I mean, Misha helped, had me around to help her get ready for Holly Holm back in the day because she was getting all the Southpaw she could. Mm-hmm. And she was really nice to me, and she invited me. I went to Shreveport, Louisiana, training with Andrea Lee. When she was getting ready to fight somebody who dropped from 35, she fought Sarah D'Alio, and I was there. So I'm bouncing around gyms. I went to Glory um, just to make sure that I wasn't just hypnotized with how good Syndicate was. Mm. When I went when I went back to sit because that's the thing I feel that when fighters jump from one gym to another they're like oh my god it's so great they get there and they find out eh, I might have made a mistake but I still love Syndicate it feels like a family and 
I love that family vibe. Like other gyms I've been to are kind of, they're great, but some of them, but other gyms I've been to felt like it was more of a business. They treat you as well as the money you're bringing in, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, syndicate's not like that. John's always treated everybody equally, regardless if they have autism or not, regardless of who they are, where they come from. John treats me like he treats everybody else. And I really like that. He'll be on my ass when it's time for a fight. He'll make sure I'm doing all the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I get, you know, sometimes I question it, but at the end of the day, he's always been right, you know? And syndicates just taking care of each other. Roxy, when I first came here, I came here with two giant duffel bags. That's it. And she helped me find a place to live. When the place I was living, the house was, that I was renting got sold. She was like, hey, I need a roommate. I'm like, say no more. <laughs> and we've been living together for years now. And yeah, she's just helped me out. She's been that one person, I feel, that's gotten autism more than anybody. And But it's been a learning experience with the gym, too. And they've understood it. And they've helped me, too. So I really appreciate it for Syndicate and all they've done. And yeah. for my coaches. And all they've been doing with me, too. <laughs> For sure. It's really awesome that you were able to find that kind of environment because I think a lot of people don't realize how rare it is in this business to find uh, a really cohesive MMA environment where pro fighters can thrive because uh, professional fighting for the gym itself is not very profitable. Obviously, it's great to have, you know, big name fighters that you can promote your gym, but the money where they where they make their money is usually like kids classes and introductory classes. Because that's all the monthly memberships. For some gyms, it costs them money to train pro fighters. So the fact that you have uh, coaches and owners and everything like that that are passionate and helping you out and, and really, you know, adapting their style uh, to accommodate you uh, is so awesome. And I'm really glad that you've been able to find that. And obviously, you know where you stand because you're training with people who've been to the big show. So you know what it takes to get yourself there. And I really think that that's a positive situation for you to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm really blessed that, like, you know, it's, they've recognized, you know, just me being a good person, how I got into kids classes and teaching, for example, is just, mm-hmm. I was helping coach. I was helping Roxanne out. She's like drowning in children. And, <laughs> and it went from me helping her to me, like, like the coach is taking me and like, you know, saying, Hey, well, your pay your membership fee is waived and stuff like that and mm. whatever and then just giving me kids classes to teach because I'm not doing it for the money teaching these kids I'm doing it because I freaking love these little kids yeah they remind me of my little of my siblings when they were small now they're all like either as tall or freaking huge giant than me and it's fucking <laughs> <stupid. laughs> yeah but and the kids and the kids love me I mean they've been asking where I've been since my surgery and um, I'm gonna get back to teaching them I mean I'm gonna have my assistant. Um, which is another kid I teach, um, and a teenager I teach. She's like basically a mini me. Her attitude, her, her, even her movement, and her style is exactly like me. It's kind of, I've been like kind of blue to to Mowgli teaching her. So yeah. she'll be showing, she'll be demonstrating the moves while I help keep order. And oh. you know how kids are when when one teacher's out, they all are like freaking out. Like, oh my god, what's going on? You know how that works. As oh, school yeah. teachers, you both know how that works. Yeah. So Jeff, Jeff the, sh- the ship will be, yeah. Yeah, we've both spent the ship time. ship will be run back and, and just put back to normal. So I'm excited. I miss them. And when I wasn't able to train, they were the only thing keeping me from being depressed. So it's going to be back to normal. They're going to have Coach Godzilla back, as they call me. <laughs> and 
They know my love of Godzilla, so they call me Coach Godzilla because I always talk about squishing people in jujitsu. <laughs> that's uh, that's a great great game plan to have in jujitsu. You you went you managed to come away with two awesome nicknames. Like most people don't even get one good one. I don't think I've ever had a good nickname at any of the gyms I've been at. Um, how did your Southpaw you, Outlaw nickname come about? Well, it's because I've always been the kind of I do what I want and say what I want. As you guys have probably seen, I have no damn filter. And I've, and I've always loved Dan Hardy, but I'm not going to take the outlaw from plus everybody says the outlaw anyways. And they just pretty much took my stance and kind of my attitude uh-huh. and they just mixed it up, which I think fits because it kind of states like how I'm not going to conform to social norms, especially with me being autistic. It's kind of like screw the rules. I'm kind of going to do what I want and live how I want. Mm-hmm. So if anybody feels bad about it, well, too bad. And um, yeah, there's that. And the Godzilla thing, because I've always loved Godzilla. My uncle got me into it when I was still in my dinosaur face as a kid. Ah. So I watched all the old school Godzilla films on VHS and everything. And when I went to Japan um, this summer with Roxy, I was losing my shit entirely. I got, I went to this hotel that has like a Godzilla head, like a giant Godzilla head peering over the building oh, cool. um, that blows out the smoke that looks like it's atomic the atomic beam that it uses uh-huh. and there was like Godzilla shirts. I bought, I went to the Godzilla store in Shinjuku. It was a, it was a good time. And mm. I went to Akihabara and lost my mind, like all the nerdy anime and video game stuff with her. Like, and even my fight shirt, it has me riding Godzilla in the battle, which wow. was, and it, it says coming to a cage near you it has the <laughs> Godzilla footprint on the back. <laughs> yeah. Was that your first trip to Japan? Yeah, it was my first trip. It was amazing. I got so fat because the food was so good, but, you know, <laughs> worth it. Yeah, I, it's really an amazing country. I got the opportunity to go about two years ago, and I actually got to see an MMA event at the Saitama Arena, which is like, Ooh. yeah, you know, the the mecca for the... The, the holy the, grail. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest pride fights ever. I got to see a UFC event uh, in the Saitama Super Arena, which was really cool. Japan is really a special place. Um, I've been trying to convince Jeff to get out there uh, for a couple do of it, years. Do now. it, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> for sure. Uh, it, yeah, it's really an now, awesome place. That trip holds a special place in my heart because Roxanne was taking me to all the places she used to train people she used to know. So it was basically a historical trip for me learning about my buddy more in depth. Cause if, I don't know if you guys got her book and read about it, but if you read about her book and her time in Japan and everything, I got to meet all pretty much a lot of the characters in there from her host mother to her former training partners and coaches and whatnot. And friends of hers, it was a really, it was a really fun experience overall nerding aside. It was just a really cool thing. And, I love the Japanese MMA fans because everybody just talks shit. Everybody outside J- uh, Japan w- in regards to MMA talk shit. Like, for example, when uh, Reda lost in the, uh, I think, the semifinals and, and the Ryzen uh, tournament, mm-hmm. uh, everybody was like, heal up, you'll get back stronger next time, you'll get it the next time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we have MMA fans here saying, oh, they're trash. Like, I lose a fight. I lost that one fight in 10 seconds. Everyone's saying, I got a weak jaw. I got trash. Never mind them not seeing me taking like a lot of hits before and still being able to like hit somebody right back and put them into place, making them look like their neck almost snapped in half. Yeah. But that's just the nature of the beast. It's why, like, honestly, 
I wouldn't mind a fight in Ryzen when I'm when it's time. I wouldn't mind fighting King Reina since she's the only Japanese woman my size over there. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. That way, I wouldn't have to cut. I wouldn't have to cut water weight. I just show up on weight, be like, "What up, bitches? Let's do this!" <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I yeah. fight the and I'll maybe fight the ramen cup uh, man for an exhibition match. <laughs> I would watch that on pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, I want to change gears a little bit. Uh, since you've been keeping it so real with us, Serena, I really would like to get your take on this. So a big, um, a, a big piece of news in the MMA community has been the incident with Rachel Ostevich and her spat with domestic violence. Now, obviously, this is an issue that expands way beyond the MMA community. And I think a lot of people have had a lot of opinions about it. Uh, of course, we've had our own opinions about it. We haven't brought it up on the show as of yet. But yeah, as a woman and as a professional fighter, um, I, I would really love to hear your take uh, on this situation and how it all went down. This shit honestly has to stop because this is getting more and more frequent. We have what happened with Andrea Lee. We have what happened to Jessica Rose Clark, you know, mm -hmm. with um, Wallace or whatever the fuck his name is. And now we have this. This is becoming too frequent that women in mixed martial arts, it just shows that we may be fighters, but we're still susceptible to being abused by our spouses. Mm -hmm. This is why people in domestic abuse circles talk about like women are more going to be killed by a romantic partner than anybody else in their lifetime. That's like the highest threat to them. Mm -hmm. And it's really sad. I mean, and honestly, this is on, this is, it's hard enough for women who are mixed martial artists to find a spouse. I feel because it's, it's fine for a woman to like wait on their fighter, husband, boyfriend, whatever. But when the rules reverse, it's like the, the male is almost emasculated. Like mm -hmm. guys make fun of their, their spouse be like you know like hey your girl's fighting you wait you're a fucking pussy or whatnot uh -huh. and now we have to, and now females got to worry about oh my god if i actually do find someone what are they are they gonna fucking beat me now yeah it's fucking disgusting it really just breaks my heart i feel for rachel i feel for everybody else who's been abused by their spouses and now we and now other women have to worry about this being beat by a romantic partner mm -hmm. it's just disgusting all the way around they haven't found they haven't found donnie aaron yet and I'm like, what the fuck, guys? Mm -hmm. I mean, it hurts me because I trained at their gym. I trained with Andrew Lee, and I was there with Donnie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things were weird. I'm going to admit, things were weird. And, having to, and from me having to see my own mom having to deal with domestic abuse back in the day, it hurts me especially. Mm -hmm. You know, having, seeing Andrew Lee go through it. I mean, and I'm seeing Rachel saying, this happened to me. I'm not going to quit. And I'm still going to go through the fight. I'm like, on one hand, I'm worried about her and her health with the orbital. Yeah. Because orbitals are, are nothing to fuck with. I broke mine as a kid. Not great. Mm -hmm. um, but kudos to her wanting to use this as a platform to raise awareness for domestic abuse. I mean, there's no, there's no, there should be no room for any domestic abuse ever. Like, be it a woman hitting a woman, a guy hitting a guy in a relationship, whatever. You don't beat the person you love, regardless of what happened. Because some people I'm seeing on the internet, they're like, oh, what if she cheated? I'm like, that shouldn't fucking matter. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know, toss her makeup out the window or some shit. Maybe, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Spray paint her, spray paint the fucking car. You don't lay your hands on a woman. You mm -hmm. don't lay your hands on someone you love, period. It's just, un it's just fucking stupid. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a line that should never be crossed. And I think that another thing that should be important about this is, is another situation where we need to break down stereotypes and people need to understand why people get into martial arts and why people want to fight because you hear so many times you know why does so and so want to fight she's so pretty she doesn't need to do this she could be a model or she could do something else but if you just took a step back and try to understand about this person well maybe they need to do this you know i know martial mm -hmm. arts uh, for myself for jeff uh, i'm sure for you as well serena is very therapeutic and it's something that we very. in our lives and i think people even inside the community don't understand this. So I think in order to, to solve the larger problem of, of domestic violence, specifically it, within the MMA community, we need to understand, you know, what is it about people that makes them want to do this? And, um, you know, we all need to do our part to continue, continue to spread awareness and, and break down these stereotypes, you know, fighters and martial artists. Exactly. They're not all Neanderthals and you don't have to be an ugly Neanderthal to be a fighter. Obviously you can be, you know, an attractive person with, uh, you know, a lot of other abilities and skills, but this is what you're passionate about and this is what you want to do. And the other thing, tell me if you agree is that, you know, you just got to make sure you're surrounding yourself with positive people, which I know you've been doing. Absolutely. Uh, and you I don't think surround that yourself with that. if you don't surround yourself with the right people supporting you, you are going to fall in a pitfall. And like 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. and I can speak to that like I left my first gym and I still won't really speak to them because of how I was treated they didn't understand autism they treated me not so great I mean I'm not gonna they taught me good they taught me good stuff in jiu-jitsu Muay Thai but as mm -hmm. human beings they were really flawed and things got worse I had to take a break yeah and onto the thing you're talking about about models i mean there are some guys that know would be great underwear models that i enjoy looking at a lot <laughs> but you know what they're, they're still fighting you know girls yeah. like hey i love eye candy it's non-committal it's like a museum you can look but you don't touch it's great mm -hmm. <laughs> no commitment for me and yeah same thing like <laughs> those guys even though they look like underwear they could be like great underwear models they're still fighting so what fuck it mm -hmm. yeah it's always the women that get that they're like oh you're so pretty you shouldn't fight i'm like and I say, well, what the fuck? I don't care. Let them fight. Let them enjoy themselves. Humans are not meant to be behind a desk 24-7. That is not what we were made for. Yeah. I mean, that was not our, our, our ancestors were not behind a fucking desk going like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? No, they were out there in the world. And mm -hmm. that's what, another thing I love about fighting. You know, as much as I love my old job, this is much more fulfilling for me as an individual, as a person, than anything I can get behind a desk. For sure. For myself, this is the only time I enjoy being behind a desk when I get to talk like to martial artists like yourself and I get to talk to Jeff every week about the fights. Um, so uh, thank you for your opinion on uh, on that whole situation. And obviously, we wish the best and a speedy recovery to Rachel Ostevich so she can get back to doing what she loves Absolutely. for the reasons that she wants to do it, which is her prerogative, of course. Um, so we have... Uh, you know, as much, I, I almost have like a hangover from all the combat sports action this weekend, but next week right? we have UFC 231. We might finally get to see Jack Holloway and Brian Ortega. Holy shit. How awesome will this fight be if it happens? And I really, I really hope it does. Um, so I hope the Drake curse doesn't, ha doesn't happen. Oh my God. I hope the Drake curse doesn't happen. Jesus Christ. Get that man away from any fighters. 
Yeah, why why would Max Holloway hang around with him? So for those who don't know what Serena is talking about, Drake was hanging around with Conor McGregor before he fought Khabib, and obviously we know how that ended. And we just saw an Instagram post recently of Drake hanging out with Max Holloway. So uh, hopefully uh, this is not a, a superstitious thing, but I, I personally really hope we get to see this fight this time. I hope uh, both fighters arrive to the contest healthy, obviously, Max Holloway's had a couple of scares the last uh, couple of times he, he got prepared to fight. Um, but man, what a stacked card we have. I mean, as much as I want to say, like I'm tired of combat sports because I watched five cards this weekend. I'm so excited for this one coming up. We have Valentina Shevchenko and Joanna Janjacek for the inaugural uh, flyweight championship. Jimmy Manua and Tiago Santos, Gunnar Nelson and Alex Cowboy Oliveira, Claudia Gadelia and Nina Ansaroff. Uh, Eric Anders and Elias Theodoro, uh, uh, Olivia, Olivier Alban Mercier and Gilbert Burns. Like, holy shit, this is one of the most stacked. It's going to be a great card. Um, for, uh, you know, for hardcore fans, this is like a dream card. And especially coming off, you know, such an amazing weekend. So tell me, Serena, is are there any fights that I rattled off or any that I didn't that you're looking forward to the most for next weekend? Just all of them. The whole card is freaking lit. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It'll be interesting to see the contest between Shevchenko and uh Joe Jadrix. Like um mm-hmm. I know that Joe Jadrix and um and Shevchenko have fought and in Muay Thai and mm-hmm. that uh Shevchenko what you know won all the pretty much all the encounters. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that'll how that'll end up all, when it goes to the ground because we know Shevchenko is a high level grappler. We haven't seen that out of um Joanna yet. And I wonder what she's going to bring to the table to try and counter that if the fight goes to the ground, if either or tries to overwhelm the others in the striking department. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of those fights that, yeah, Joanna is moving up and Valentina is moving down and she might have some size on her, but, and she has those wins. I believe it was amateur Muay Thai that she has some wins over yeah. her. I, you know, MMA is a totally different ball game. You know, like you were talking about, you know, the, I think everybody is affected by the, the lights and the crowd and, and the media and everything like that. So, uh, and you can never count Iwana out. So even if she's lost to her before, like she's going to come in there as fierce as ever and, and looking to take mm-hmm. Valentina's head off. I think this is a, an awesome contest. Jeff, uh, which fight are you looking forward to here? Oh man, <clears throat> Bill, you're asking me a tough question, man. Um, it's my job. As as much as I as much as I love all these fights, I think this card is going to be amazing. I'm really looking forward to Jimmy Manuel versus Tiago Santos, dude. I feel like <clears throat> um, that fight is not going to go to a decision. I think two rounds. I give this fight two rounds before somebody goes to sleep. Um, the fight looks awesome. I'm super excited for Valentina versus Joanna, um, just to see how their styles match up. Because now it's not just striking. Now you got some grappling involved, and Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. I mean, come on, man. Who's not excited for that fight? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, uh, man, I, I, I just don't know how that one's gonna go. I mean, Brian Ortega seems. Uh, unstoppable, but we've seen that before, and then er- everybody meets their match uh, eventually. So, yeah. really, really excited for this card. Um, Jeff, did you have anything else you wanted to get off your chest, or did you have any other lingering questions here? No, nah, dude, uh, I'm Serena. Thank you so much for being able to do this today. Um, 
And, you know, I'm glad that we were able to raise not only some autism awareness, but some domestic violence awareness. You know, there should be no room mm -hmm. for that ever. Uh, like you said, Serena, I love the way you said it. You should never put your hands on someone you love. That's perfect summary. That That's it. Like, no more should be said about it. Um, I'm glad that we got to talk some fights. Serena, thank you for being so cool. I know this was kind of, you know, a surprise because, uh, you know, we just we hadn't really, like, talked about what we are going to do. We kind of just said, hey, uh, we're going to talk about these things. And um, so thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. I loved hearing about your personal stories about how you were moving over from gyms, looking for the right one. So, Serena, thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, guys. It was really awesome. We got to really ha have some fun and shoot the shit. It was awesome. Yeah. So um, before we sign off, Serena, please let the people know where they can find you on social media. And if you have any sponsors you want to shout out, please uh, take the opportunity. Of course. Um, everybody, y'all can find me on pretty much anywhere. Um, at Serena Southpaw, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm everywhere. Mm -hmm. Hell, even Snapchat, just because I love to take pictures of my food. I'm one of those girls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like to thank all my sponsors, the Healing Panda here in Vegas. Um, I got a lot of them, Artwork Painting, um, Menacing Valor, Melee Fighting, um, my consumer IT. Um, yeah, if you have computer troubles, hit those guys up. I got a lot to list. So, you know, just thank all my sponsors for being by my side and helping me out. And um yeah, seriously, just thank you for having me on. And I'd like to thank my fans for supporting me, you know, the whole way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, of course, you guys know how to get a hold of us. Jeff is at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on the social media. Serena, we really appreciate you taking the time. We would love to have you back again down the line, especially if you have uh, a fight lined up that you're looking to promote. Um, we, we really Say have when. <laughs> We will definitely let you know. We will be in touch for sure. Um, so yeah, it's just an awesome conversation. We we really want to do our part to help, you know, raise awareness for autism and make people understand that, uh, you know, you, you're definitely capable of doing something that you're passionate about uh, if you put your mind to it. Uh, so really. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like Tyson Fury, what he said. Like he overcame his own troubles and did the biggest fight of his life. And if he could do it, anybody could do it. It's kind of like one of those things. And he raised himself from the dead in the twelfth round of, of like the fucking like the fucking Undertaker. Holy shit! Unbelievable. Um, yeah, we we didn't even get a chance to talk about that. But hey, fuck it. You still have a couple of minutes, don't you? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that did, was fun. I did, hope to raise up from the dead like that soon. <laughs> did you catch the whole fight? Not all of it, because well, I was not exactly watching it via legal means. Um, but you know, I tried to I tried to catch as much as that. I'm poor. Come on, I, I I throw hands for bands. Come on, and I haven't been able to throw hands for a hot minute. So. Uh, yeah, I may or may not have been watching it by such means as well. But uh, you know, Tyson Fury. Yeah, one of the greatest heavyweight boxers, definitely in, of our generation, you know, went through some tough times and, and drug addiction and alcohol and everything like that uh, and and brought himself back uh, to outbox 
Deontay Wilder, who's one of the most dangerous men. Scariest motherfuckers ever. <laughs> God, that guy terrifies me. Um, you know, one of the hardest hitting heavyweights we've seen in a long time. And it's awesome to see this revitalization of heavyweight boxing because it's something that went away for such a long time. Obviously, the Klitschko brothers uh, put boxing to sleep for about 10 years. Uh, it was a hibernation. I mean, if, if you appreciate the art, it, it's a wonderful thing. I, I appreciate a lot of things about Vladimir Klitschko specifically, but if people weren't interested and now people are interested again uh unfortunately boxing is gonna boxing and they judges are gonna judge stupidly <laughs> and, i mean this is a problem that we see obviously it's the same athletic commissions judging mma so it's it's a problem that we see uh time after time and, and hopefully we'll we'll figure this shit out maybe get rid of the 10 point must system um i, I don't really know what could be done about it um you know, and, and me neither. So <laughs> athletic commission hires me, but I don't think they particularly like my show. So <laughs> I don't think they'll be tuning in. Um, but yeah, an awesome heavyweight fight. If you guys listening missed it because you're watching all the MMA, I don't blame you. But I, I, I was split screening it last night. I had my laptop, uh, which was was streaming one or the other. I'm not going to say whether it was the one that cost money or not. Uh, <laughs> Smart man. And uh, yeah, I was watching. It was it was hard not to pay attention to to either or because they were such great fights. But if you're into boxing and you missed this one, uh, go check it out. And even if you're not into boxing, it was a really great fight. I mean, uh, really technical performance from uh, Tyson Fury. And then at the end of the fight, he just got murdered. And then I actually saw his soul leave his body. And then when the ref said eight, he just sat up like, like nothing happened. He just resurrected like, him. Good morning. <laughs> and unbelievable. He gets up, he's walking around, he's talking to the ref and then he finished the fight. Like what a bad motherfucker. Uh, so we got to see these two run it back. Uh, since Anthony Joshua doesn't seem to want to fight either of them. Uh, not in the United States anyway, which is unfortunate because I would love to see any combination of those three fighting um, going forward. Hopefully it doesn't take place the same night as an MMA event. All right. We covered so much. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously to break down the entire cards or preview the entire card for next week, but uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode, something a little bit different. And Serena, again, thank you so much for giving us your time on this uh, Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning for you out in Las Vegas. And uh, we yeah. hope again soon all right thanks for having me on guys seriously it was a fun time all right until next time cheers everybody goodbye